0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly.
0: Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your big Memorial Day weekend. On the right, John Hancock right there. Got my blue on, Brown. Got that. You're set. I don't know why I'm wearing pink. And on the left is Michael Kelly. Blue. Didn't get the memo. I'm John Brown. (laughs) Great to have you along today. The big storms this week, they tore across the area, while St. Louis also celebrates the Blues, like these guys. Well, this week, as you know, the St. Louis area was the spotlight of the nation for some pretty diverse reasons. One is these guys. As everyone knows by now, the Blues are making history with one of the most improbable runs in NHL history. On the flip side, when people are not watching the Blues, they're watching the skies. Storms hammer the region like Jeff City. The national media flocks to Missouri to survey the damage, and both these stories have a way of uniting the region. Guys, let's start with the weather. John, especially with you, you worked in Jeff City for a long time. I lived there for a while. Uh, small town, people, it's a small town. This one really impacted a lot of people, but it does bring people together. Well,
1: there's no doubt. Um, you know, I used to be the chairman of the Republican Party, and our offices got decimated in this storm. And the thing that struck me in Jefferson City, and it, it, it happens all over the country, is that how people come together, strangers showing up and offering shelter and helping people dig out of their homes. And there's something about these natural disasters, as horrific as they are, that do kind of show the character and the metal of a community. And we've seen that in Jefferson City and they're, they're digging out and it's gonna take a while.
2: It also provides a great opportunity for leadership. You think back a couple of years ago, we saw that horrible Joplin tornado really gave Jay Nixon a platform to be a leader. Uh, Mike Parson doing the same thing and answering the challenge but it can also be extremely detrimental to a political figure think about what happened with George W. Bush with Katrina. uh, Katrina having said all that it is great to see the community always rally behind especially here in St. Louis it's if it's within 300 miles of here we're gonna help take care of it yeah it's really good to see and then of course the blues
0: the other story the nation can't get enough of I mean we're the talk of ESPN uh, every sports network right now but for us it's bigger than sports you've lived downtown been downtown uh, sporting events this is so much bigger than sports and that's what well, people may not get
2: but two two opportunities here one i'm a lifelong saint louis and forty three years old been watching the blues my whole life this is one of the most awesome events ever you know we're spoiled here in saint louis right we're cardinal fans we all have our playoff baseball routines there's no playoff routine for a blues fan so <laughs> It's so organic the way that it's come up. You couple that with the fact the investment that's been made by the region, the city, uh, and these teams into downtown St. Louis, and the camaraderie that they bring, you know, we can't agree on much these days. You're either pro-Trump or you're anti-Trump. You like Hillary or you don't like Hillary. When it comes to sports, it's something that unites us. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm hopeful that this spirit of what it's doing for St. Louis is going to unite us on Far bigger issues, you know, John. This is kind of what the
0: Rams did, right? And then when when they won the the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, improbable story. Everybody came together. They left, and there was a big hole left for us. The Blues are filling that right now.
1: Well, they are, and you just look at the recent history and what we've gone through in St. Louis. It was just a few months ago we were all fighting each other over the merger, mm. and uh, it was ripping the communities apart and municipalities and people, everybody's fighting. And and here's this team, you know, that everybody had counted out that it always comes up short. You know, they have the greatest regular season. They always disappoint. And here they are going to the Stanley Cup Finals, the greatest trophy in all sports. Mm-hmm. And this town is one. And it is a wonderful thing to see. And, you know, where people are going to be... Uh, uh, they're going to be altering their calendars to make sure they see these games Well, my mother
0: actually said, why do they call it the greatest uh, championship trophy? I said because the playoffs are five months. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I mean it seems like it started when they hit the playoffs oh, it well, was it was the <laughs> oldest trophy. oh my sports. gosh it goes and on forever. It's, a, it's a glory and, and unlike other sports if you win the cup, your name's on the cup mm-hmm. uh, your individual personal name is on the cup and it's it's just a great it's a great trophy you know and Michael this is something that we've been talking about we're seeing this big
0: rebirth in downtown some people if you don't go down there you may not see it you've got these great hotels being redone and all of a sudden we have all the national media in town to focus on our city at just the right time that's good news too and people don't. well
2: and and people who come to St. Louis experience it through a set of eyes that we are not used to we look at it with a very critical eye and people who've come here I was thinking about the guy the other day from Winnipeg who came down for the series and wrote this awesome review about telling all of his friends, hey, next time you go on a vacation, you need to go to St. Louis. And what better time to show off St. Louis with what's going on at Union Station. Of course, Ballpark Village is exploding. All the new hotels and developments that are happening in the Central West End and downtown. The Arch. we all got the most beautiful outdoor piece of artwork. Well, if if you live in Winnipeg, this is kind of like (laughs) Disney World. (laughs) It's way south. (laughs)
0: It's a great place to come. Yeah, but, John, I mean, you drive through town, you see all this stuff going on. I don't know where people are going to be staying when they come to town, but so many different areas, Central West End, I mean, you just it's the weather's going to be good. You'll be able to walk around. These are kind of defining moments for cities. Well, look, this advantage.
1: is a great, but we've all chosen to raise families here. And this is a great place to live, as St. Louis is. And there is a million things to do in this town. And we're at the cusp of some really exciting economic news as we're becoming this IT mecca, Mm -hmm. uh, startup mecca, The, the, the building that's going on. There's a lot to like here.
2: Another important point that I think we all have to realize is that this is being brought together in downtown St. Louis. And we've spent a lot of time and the nation spent a lot of time being critical of what's going on in the city of St. Louis. But there's 300,000 people down there who've invested in this stadium, that we're, we're what, same with the ball stadium, whether it be the zoo, the cultural institutions, it's being funded by our city and our whole region benefits from it. So as people see this over the next couple of weeks, remember, man, it's, it's a city that we always are beaten up, but they've made, made the investment to make this possible. Yep, all right, we're
0: gonna wrap it up right here. We're gonna break format just a bit. We're gonna go to break. Coming up here, we're also going to talk about the president. Had some choice names this week. What do we have? Crazy Nancy, uh, Dumb as a Box, tiller. I mean, he had all sorts of them. But does that help him in negotiations? We'll talk about it straight ahead.
1: To hear more, listen to the
0: podcast. Just search for Hadcock and Kelly. Hey, by the way, while you're on your phone or at your computer right now, uh, next week we want to have these guys answer some questions. So whatever questions you have for these guys, what we're going to do a Q&A with these. So whatever question you have, send them in. You can send them to uh, just do uh, right there. Our email address is on the website. And I'll have you guys answer viewer questions next week. How about that? That'll be good. If you need relationship advice, you can ask ask my (laughs) buddy Kelly over there. (laughs) You can also tweet these guys. We're going to pull all the tweets, questions you have for them. So that'll be fun. We'll do that next week here on Hancock & Kelly. Keep them clean. I have to be able to read them on the air. Yeah, true. Also, making news in this past week, the abortion bill once again. It was overshadowed at the end of the session. We had the storms, then the playoffs, but huge news came down when one of the biggest Republican donors in the state came out and said this abortion bill is a bad idea. David Humphrey says he doesn't want to talk about abortion, but he has to speak up now. He sent a letter to the media that reads, in part, While I am personally opposed to abortion, I do support a woman's right to choose, particularly in the case of rape or incest went on, I have to believe that the politicians in Jeff City that voted for this bill would themselves support their wives or daughters' right to choose if their loved ones were raped. The governor ended up signing the bill on Friday. After all, John, you've known Humphreys for a long time. Why do you think he would weigh in like this?
1: Well, he weighs in often. Uh, He was the primary impetus behind the Right to Work movement in the state. Uh, He has weighed in on a host of issues. When our politicians have run into problems, uh, he's spoken out publicly. So it's not unusual for David Humphreys to do this, and uh, he's chosen to do it here over the abortion issue.
2: This is a man I agree on nothing with, but he's right about this. He's right in principle that this bill should have been vetoed. Look, this bill is not pro-life. It's anti-woman. It doesn't protect the exemptions of somebody, whether it be rape or incest. I mean, it's just sick. And this is the direction the party's going as the Republicans. It's an anti-woman bill. As it relates to David Humphreys, here's a billionaire. Could you imagine if George Soros put out a declaration to, I don't know, Jay Nixon as to what he should do? This is the billionaire plural, you know, billionaire moneycrats that run the Republican Party who have a bigger say in what's gonna come about than what the regular voters do. Well, it's look, uh, you,
1: you, got, you got big donors in your party too, pal. Yeah, so, unions, uh, yeah, people who represent Big workers. donors. Yeah. And you know, the thing about the abortion issue right now, it's not just on the Republican side, the Democrats have gone to the extreme too. In the states that, where they control, you go to the Northeast, and look at the kind of radical pro-abortion legislation that's passing. And it's kind of emblematic of where our politics is right now. You know, there's there's probably a spot somewhere between where, say, New York and Virginia are on abortion and where Alabama and Missouri are on abortion. There's probably a spot somewhere in there, closer to the pro-life side, that would meet with a lot more support in the electorate and but our politics today are so polarized we're not there are they are they so polarized that common sense can't prevail
2: i mean Rape and incest—that's something that Republicans well, have always stood for in the past.
1: The, the rape and incest in, in abortion. First of all, you, you now have abor- abortion, drugs on the market. Uh, rape and incest is such a minuscule portion of abortions. Now, do I think that those allowances should be made in a law? Yeah, I do. Uh, and I think much—I think you'd find a lot more support for uh, protecting life if you had those protections built in. And the other problem that that confounds so many of us, particularly those of us who've grown
2: up in a Background who talked about and been told about life is the Republicans are the ones who are pushing the death penalty. And a couple of years ago, they were promoting a firing squad. If all life is sacred, why are we killing people? To kill people to show kill people is wrong. Well,
1: you don't want to get into a big fight about this, but there is a difference between innocent life, which is an unborn life, and and somebody that's gone out and committed heinous capital crimes. Uh, It's it's not it's not an analogy. A heinous rape.
2: Mm. Take it.
1: Well, and the numbers you guys are talking
0: about are correct. The numbers that, uh, and I can't remember who wrote this in the Post Dispatch this week, but they made the point that, what, 19% of people say they believe abortion at will, even up until birth, right, right at that point. And so these laws that Missouri and Alabama are satisfying the 12% of people who think all abortions should be outlawed, yet you have this big portion of people in the middle who are kind of in the, in, in the middle, right? And they're like, oh, okay, I understand this, I understand that. And that's what Humphrey's kind of pointed out here is he's sitting with most pro... The platform of the pro-life movement is, you know, exclusions for rape right. and incest. This could come back to be politically dicey for some Republicans. Well, there. you
1: know, if the, if the policy goal is to reduce and ultimately eliminate abortion, there's probably a better way to go about that objective than this. And, but, uh, you know, we are where we are in our politics and and look, nobody likes abortion. It is the taking of a life and and we should have serious conversations. But to be used as a political
2: pawn, the way that you, all the Republicans are choosing to use women in the state of Missouri to exempt the, even the, to not allow the exemptions for rape or abortion. Nobody's surprised that the Republicans would be go forward with an anti-abortion bill. They've been running on that for three decades. This anti-abortion bill, it's anti-woman.
1: Well, look, you've got extremes on both sides, and I just point out there, there are states in this country that are, that are attempting to make it legal to kill a child after it's been born, okay? Uh, th- there are extremes on both sides of this issue, and it would be nice to have a public policy debate that would protect life and protect uh, women in these extreme cases and the, the rare extreme cases, and I, I hope that we can get there.
0: Okay, let's get into the fight this week between President Donald Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, each questioning each other's fitness for duty. Personal attacks flowed on both sides Thursday after the big dramatic blowup at the White House. Pelosi openly questioned Trump's fitness to remain in office, suggesting that the family, maybe the staff needs to have an intervention for the good of the nation. Both sides dug in and then the president had to say this. So I walked into the cabinet room. You had the uh, the group Crying Chuck, Crazy Nancy. I tell you what, I've been watching her and I have, I have been watching her for a long period of time. She's not the same person. Uh, she's lost it. <laughs> okay, so he went, then declared himself, I'm an extremely stable genius. He also called Tillerson, let me make sure I get it, dumb as a rock. Uh, so does that help him in negotiations when you use the name calling? I don't I don't know how it does, but it seems to work for
1: him. Well, here's what's clear. Pelosi's engaging in her thing because she's got a fractured caucus. Half of them want to impeach Donald Trump, and the other half don't want to go through the politics of that. Um, the president, when he has gotten into these spats previously with other people, uh, they the other people usually don't come out unscathed. And uh, so he's... He's not surprising anybody. By the way, he's responding to yeah.
2: And what polls. we just heard is a justification for a bully in the schoolyard. I mean, this is crazy. This is the president of the United States attacking people. He, it's. I mean, these are the Democratic leaders you would expect it. Now, I, I believe that he goes after women even harder because he wants to talk about the way they look. They're a mess. Their face is bleeding. I mean, it's just subhuman the way this man behaves. This is not an adult. This isn't a president. This is a child in the white house and this isn't proper behavior Now, in terms of the negotiations that wasn't a negotiation he walked into a meeting and then immediately walked out to a placard that he had already printed up to have a political fight Nancy Pelosi is pushing Donald Trump's buttons and she may wind up cause him to explode and wouldn't that be good well, for there, there
1: may be a little button pushing going on on both sides because I think the president is would love nothing better than to goad the democrats into some protracted impeachment episode that's going to end with an acquittal in the Senate if they if they push it that far and and I think the politics of that would help Donald Trump and I think he knows that and so there may be a little button pushing going on on both sides here.
0: All right still to come on Hancock and Kelly former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens is back in the news he has a new job that could be the beginning of his rise again either way we at least get to play this song. Big holiday weekend. You might be smelling barbecue, but we smell potpourri. It's time for News Potpourri here on Hancock & Kelly. A shocking assessment from the New York Times executive editor this week. He spoke about the state of journalism. Not good. Here's what he said. The greatest crisis in American journalism is the death of local news. I don't know what the answer is. Their economic model is gone. I think most local newspapers in America are going to die in the next five years, except for the ones that have been bought by a local billionaire. Uh, Michael Kelly, you're up first on this one. This concerns me because local newspapers drive the conversations in most cities. It drives
2: Yep. all of media. It's a terrible thing. Scary. We've been talking about this for a long time and how the cell phone has changed our perception of the world, Twitter. But somebody's no got to write the space. stuff that goes on exactly. there. That. That's the problem. This is, good. this is not good. And it's called a cause for more instability at a local level.
1: Yeah, it's not good. And, and uh, in terms specifically of local government, if there's nobody looking at what's going on in local government, then, you know, any manner of things can happen. What I think and hope will happen is that you'll begin to have journalists actually engage in, you know, in the online space, and begin to look into these local issues and cover local governments and cover these boards and commissions, and uh, because there, there'll be a vacuum, there will be an appetite, there'll be a market for people so, to cover that, and I think it'll happen. You have
0: to have some sort of responsible publication, and you know that people say, well, bloggers will fill in. Okay, but who's overseeing the bloggers? Who's fact checking them? If you have an agenda, you can't show up at the city council and say, well, here's what I think. It takes more than that. So, all right, the fight over residency issues for city and county workers back in the news. St. Louis County Councilman Tim Fitch has a unique proposal. He's proposing that the county forbid all new employees from living in the city of St. Louis. Michael, you can't go work for the county now. (laughs) He says it's logical because the city forces county residents who want to work for the city to move to the city. Here's what he said, I would rather not have any type of residency requirement, but if the city forces county residents to live there in order to be employed there, then it's no different. Now, I talked with the former chief just before the show. He says he's trying to get St. Charles County on board with this just to make it go away.
2: Well, look, the residency rules do need to go away. They're an archaic law. It made sense at the time that they were in there. Now, look, if a city wants to incentivize its employees by giving them an extra couple grand, Mm To live in their city, I have no problem with that. To prohibit you from living elsewhere, we're a region now. We need to tackle the regional issues. This is something that needs to be fixed.
1: Yeah, the residency requirements don't make any sense there. Anti-liberty. Uh, people ought to be able to live wherever the heck they want to live and, uh, and make those decisions. All right. Former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens
0: back in the news. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? We haven't a story yet. He go He's heading back to the Navy Good. as an officer assigned to the Navy Operations Support Center in St. Louis. He will be designated as a General Unrestricted Line Officer, not a seal again. Greitens made a request to the Navy in April to transfer from inactive standby reserve status to active status in
1: the selected reserves. John Hancock. Uh, said he's been hanging out in Jeff City. What do, what do you think the end game here is? Well, here's a guy that looks good in a uniform, Brown, and uh, he's going to put the uniform back. He's going to serve his country, and, uh, you know, God bless him.
2: I'm grateful that he's going to go serve our country, but anybody who's followed the path of Eric Greitens and the methodical way that he's laid out his life, you can't help but wonder if this is another part of a ploy. If it's not, we're all grateful. Thank you for going and serving our country.
1: Well, I don't, I don't see a political future for Eric. I don't either, Missouri. But uh, you know, the guy's—you can't begrudge somebody. He's a very bright guy. You can't begrudge somebody the ability to earn a living. Uh, He's going to serve his country, and you know, I'm I'm with you. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and he has a new book coming out. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it's time for final thoughts. We'll be right back. You hit play and record right now on your VCR. You get to record the final thoughts.
1: You're hold on, up, hold sorry. on, hold on. And, and,
2: and. <laughs> yeah, Let's, let's oh, go, right. there you go. That's all yeah. I got. That's my final thought. That's simple. Big you know, girl. I grew
1: up in this town. Um, Barkley Plager, Gary Sabrin, <laughs> Mike Layute, Gary Unger, Red Berenson, it's so many years. Bernie so Federico. Much Brian Sutter. I Pullen mean, Oates. Brian, yeah. I mean, it just look, this is this team and, and its and its frustration over so many years. I cried when the Blues won the Western Con- uh, Conference Final. I can't wait to watch Alex Petrangelo lift
0: that cup. It'll be a good one. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it right there on your phone and search out the words Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next.